So let me give you a, a quick uh, scripture uh, introduction to the scripture reading this morning, just so that we can all remember. In Romans chapter 3, verse 20, 22 to 31, Paul explained, you might remember this, Paul explained the statement he made back in Romans 1.16. Here he is saying that God's righteousness has been revealed apart from the law through, and this is the particular point that he makes here in chapter 3, through the faithfulness of Christ, that is, through Christ's life, through his death, his resurrection, through the redemption that he has provided, through the propitiation that he has made, that is, the sacrifice for sin. And so Paul said there's no boasting in the law. That doesn't identify us as the people of God. Justification comes by faith, that is, our faith in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And so God's not just the God of the Jews, he's the God of the Gentiles too. Not just the circumcised, but also the uncircumcised, because all justified by faith. Faith in the faithfulness of Christ. And Paul makes this point in closing. In doing this, in seeing things this way, we don't overthrow we don't cancel, we don't make void the law, we actually validate the law. That's what Paul is saying there at the end of 3. And he says that because his argument is that's where the law has been going this whole time, to find its fullness in Christ. His faithfulness validates the law. His faithfulness confirms it. And so now... Paul's got a big task. He's got to prove that. I mean, he has already been proving it. But he knows he's got to deal with the objections that the Jewish believers might make to this. So if you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word, we'll read from Romans chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. Beginning in verse 1, have we found Abraham to be our ancestor according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who, who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts, uh, counts righteousness apart from, the work, excuse me, apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all 
who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Father, would you take these brief moments that we have in your word, and would you do more than we could ask or imagine? Pray that you would do all that you intend by this word as you send it out. We pray that you would convict us by it. We pray that you would strengthen us by it. We pray that you would comfort us by it. In Christ's name, amen. Have you ever heard of a genogram? Anybody heard of a genogram? A genogram is uh, a visual depiction of your family tree. I had to do one of these um, several years ago for a project. Right? You got little circles and squares and vertical lines and, oh, no, vertical lines and horizontal lines. All depicting all these different connections between various family members, right? And you did little squiggles to show where there was a broken relationship. And Well, there I was, two big 11 by 17 pieces of paper. Boom, boom. Dad, mom. Right there, laid out, visual form. And it gave me a whole new way of looking at my parents. I realized maybe for the first time what it was like for my mom. Right? I mean, I'm seeing this in visual form. Right? Mom lost mom. My mom lost her mom, then later on lost her dad. Right? And she's now living with uh, extended family just out there. My dad, I remember showing it to my dad. I took it to him, showed it to him, and I'm like, there he is, right? 13 kids right in the middle, not the younger, not the older, just out there kind of on his own. And then he told me about some of his experiences of kind of life in the middle, What I got, what I started to see, was that he and I were a lot alike. A lot more alike than I thought. And I mean a lot alike in ways that I didn't anticipate my dad being like me. The insecurities, the fears, all of those things. It was a moment that I won't forget, right? Knowing this family history, it made sense of them to me. But seeing how I fit in that made sense of me, too. Maybe some of you have gotten into this. Maybe not genograms, but some of you are, do Ancestry.com. Well, 23andMe, anybody? Anybody do that? Am I the only one? No? <laughs> yes, amen, we do. We do. Right? And that could be really incredible. You hear these stories. Right, 
I found out that I was connected to royalty, right, or something. I didn't, but you know, that's kind of the thing that, ooh, these amazing things that you start to discover, right? But that's not the story for everybody. <laughs> Some people are like, oh, we can't put that back in the box, can we? Nope. These are the families that we are a part of. This family you're a part of, this family that I'm a part of. You know, you've been made part of a different family, too. I mean, you have. I mean, if, if you're here today following Christ, then you have been made part of a different family by adoption. And you have a distant relative. His name, you might have gathered by this point from the bulletin, is Abraham. You've got this distant father. Now this is, again, where the Bible gets really weird. Because it's asking you and me to find this connection with somebody that was born between 2100 B.C. and 1800 B.C., right? So long ago that we have to give it like a 300-year span. I mean, think about that. If you know your great... Well, hang on, right. If you know your great-grandparents, right, that, that, that could be doable for many of you. But your great great grandparents? I mean, I don't I can't even really get my head around that. I mean, I certainly don't have a picture of them in my head, but scripture is asking you and me to find connection, to see this connection with somebody from we'll just we'll just we'll just split it down the middle. Nineteen hundred BC. We have to ask the question, and this is the question of one writer, how, how have we come to be related to him? Knowing the kind of relationship that you have to Abraham is vital to making sense of you and all of those who are part of this people of God. Paul does this in a couple of ways, really two moves. He's going to show us how this relationship was established, and he's going to show us when it was established. So how and when it was established. That's what Paul does in 1 through 12. And that how it was established, when it was established, all of that's so that he can make the point that, and this is, I'll just sort of give you the spoiler, this is how you're related to Abraham. He is your father according to faith. That's Paul's argument. He is your father according to faith. So we'll take the first one, how God established this relationship with Abraham. Again, Paul goes with Abraham first of all. He's going to show this and then he's going to show it through David. 
verses 1 and 2, he says again, How, Have we found Abraham to be our ancestor according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. In verse 1, that construction, the way he's constructed the question, it requires a negative answer. And the way that it is, the way that it's written in Greek, you can get, you can come at it some different ways. I mean, I know uh, some of the ways that the ESV says this and others, but another way, and this is what I what I had in um, in the reading that I gave. Have we found Abraham to be our ancestor according to the flesh? That's a way of that's a way of doing that with what what's there in the Greek. And it requires a negative. According to the flesh, by that he means physical descent. Paul asked at the outset, is that how it works? Now there was certainly a time where Paul would have said, yes, that is exactly how it works. How else could it work? But here he says, no, that is not how it works. You can't say because we, Jews, are descendants of Abraham who received the promises and the law that we Jews are fine. We have no need to become the people of God because we are the people of God and we don't have a need for repentance. That's what they would be saying. And Paul says you can't can't say that. This is similar to what Jesus says when he faced the Pharisees in John 8. Do you remember that? Where they said, hey, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, well, if he was your father, you wouldn't be trying to kill me. No, no, God is our father. And he says, well, if God was your father, you'd be listening to me. So actually, he's not your father, but I know who is your father, the devil. Which that one, friends... That's what Paul is saying here. Now, there was a time where Paul had been like, what are you talking about? But now he's making the same argument that Jesus did. And this makes sense of verse 2. Verse 2 confirms that his answer is no, because Paul says, if indeed Abraham is justified the way that you guys say that he's justified by the works of the law, then Abraham has something to boast about, but not before God sort of hands it and then takes it away, not before God, because that wasn't the focus of God at all when he justified him. That's not what God was doing. And then he says, let's go look at when, when God did all this stuff. And then he quotes from Scripture, verse 3, for what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. This passage was about Abraham's concern over an heir, son. We'll read it um, from 1 to 6, Genesis 15. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward. Now, remember that word, reward. I am your reward. Excuse me, excuse me. I'm your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, um, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. 
And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you were able to, if you were able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he, that is Abram, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. God promises a reward. Okay, that word, and this will be important in a second, is wage in the Greek. God counted, I mean, excuse, excuse me, God promises a reward. And what was the reward? What was the wage? An heir, a son, and then a people. A glorious people, stars in the heaven. God promised him a family. And Abraham believed him, believed God's promise. And that belief, God regarded, God counted as righteousness. That, that is, here, what we have God doing is justifying Abraham, counting him as righteous, counting him as one who is in covenant relationship with him, with God. That's, that's what was inaugurated here. That's the sense of justifying here. God has brought him in and all of his family that will be with him. And in verses 4 and 5, Paul spells out the implication of what he has alluded to in Genesis 15. 4 and 5, he says, Now to the one who works, his wages, get it? He's referencing back to 15. His wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trust him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So two lines of argument again. Verse 4 is the Jewish argument. Verse 5 is Paul's. If Abraham's wages, offspring, people, have been established and marked out by the works of the law, like you guys are saying, if they came because, physical, because of physical descent, being a Jew, being a people of the law, then the Jews would be right to continue to hold fast the law. And everyone should join them in holding fast to the law as the only way to be rightly related, to be counted as this people of God. But in that case, it would be a due. It would be due. It wouldn't be a gift because it's flowing to them by physical descent. But then in verse 5, Paul says, okay, but here's the thing. But to the one who's not working, that is, works to the law, but instead is trusting, that's what Abraham did, the God who justifies the ungodly, then what we have is what we see in Genesis 15, faith counted as righteousness. Again, Paul shows under no uncertain terms, that appealing 
to Abraham as father in the flesh will not work. Paul shows from the outset this whole covenant people thing. This whole God calling a people to himself and making a people his own. That whole thing started right here with Abram. And I want you to notice something important about Abram at that point. You might not have seen it. You notice that it said, And to the one who does not work but trusts him who justifies the ungodly. Ungodly. That's an interesting word, ungodly. Especially in reference to Abram. You should read ungodly in the sense of the heathen. You should read ungodly in the sense of the nations. You should read ungodly in the sense of Gentile. Paul is making his point crystal clear. Ungodly, now think about this argument that he's just made. He's saying to those who would disagree, who would object, his Jewish folks who would object. He's saying to them, ungodly is what Abram was. Ungodly is what Abram was at this time in Genesis 15 when God justified him. He's saying, Abraham, folks, was a Gentile. Abraham was a Gentile that was justified and brought into covenant relationship with God. And that covenant relationship with God was built on faith. He couldn't have found a stronger argument to make for the recognition that the Gentiles are part of this too. Not by works of the law, but by faith, as Paul has preached. It was so imp important that Paul make this argument, right? It's important that you know that Paul makes this argument because this argument is about you. It's about you. The argument that he just made is the reason that you are sitting here. The argument that he just made is the reason why you are counted among the people of God. Right? Not as sort of this subset of Judaism. Paul's argument is about you. God's purpose and plan to save, to deliver a people, you, Paul is saying, starts right here with Abram. 
Abram, Abraham, is your father. Paul says next that being brought into this covenant relationship is about being the recipient of promises, of blessing. And as he points in this direction, he also draws in another key figure, David, one of the descendants of Abraham, a king. And what does David say? In verse 6, it says, Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from the works. Know what he did. Verse 7, this is quoting Psalm 32. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Paul says those, those blessings that flow to the one counted righteous, being counted as God's people by faith, apart from the law, those are the same blessings that David proclaims. This is what kind of family you find yourself in. You've got this distant father, Abraham. and You're a part of this family that got started with him, by faith. And what kind of family is it? It's a, fi a family wherein you find this blessing from God. You find forgiveness for your lawless deeds. That is to say, you find forgiveness for your disobedience and disregard for the God who created this family. You find in this, this little turn of phrase that your sin is not counted against you. As you are counted righteous, as you are recognized, declared part of this people that belong to God, you are also those who sin is not counted against them. And this was God's plan all along. That's what's beautiful about this. That that was the intention when this whole covenant thing, by faith, God started with Abraham all the way back then. Well, Paul still has to contend, and this is where we'll finish this, Paul still has to contend with circumcision. Remember, I mean, you know, Paul is rearranging all of the pieces here because of Christ. And so someone may say, okay, but there's still circumcision. Well, Paul has to contend with that. So here's where we get to when God established this relationship. We see how he established it by faith, not the works of the law. Now we see when, which is also kind of about the works of the law. Too. Well, it is about the works of the law. Look at verses 9 and 10. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? 
Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, it was before. Now, for Paul, the question revolves around this blessing. Counted, counted righteous, counted covenant people, part of, pe- part of God's people, sin not counted against you. This lays at the center of his argument because this is at the epicenter of God's promises about seed and and blessing and inheritance. Paul asks when this happened, before or after? Now, just to give you perspective, in case you don't remember this, Abraham, he was called out of Haran. Remember that? Chapter 12, out of that sort of darkness, Abraham was called out of all those peoples. Do you remember how old he was then? 75. Called out of Haran at 75. Then, Abraham's belief that God would give him a son and a people, and he was counted righteous in Genesis 15. And then in 16, he has Ishmael. Do you remember how old he was here? 86. So somewhere between 75 and 86, we get the promise of Genesis 15. And then do you know when circumcision happened? Genesis 17. And guess how old Abraham was then? 99. And So this was glaringly obvious. Paul makes the point. When did it happen? Before or after circumcision? Before a long, long, long time before circumcision. So then what is the big deal about circumcision? I mean, he's going to have to account for that. He's saying here that the connection to Abraham by flesh, by the works of the law, being Jewish, by circumcision, have been severed. So, what is circumcision about? Well, Paul, he enlists circumcision as part of his argument. He demonstrates exactly how circumcision works into this. First, he gives a significance. He says, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Circumcision is a sign. Don't think picture. Signs, Old Testament, signs are God saying something by what he does. That's a sign. That's the the rainbow, remember that? All of this good stuff. Circumcision. So, what is God saying here? In circumcision, and this is in 17, Genesis 17, 7 and following, in circumcision, God speaks his covenant. He speaks that relationship. He speaks that blessing, that seed, that inheritance, all of those things. God speaks. Circumcision functions as evidence evidence of the covenant that God made with his people. 
in Genesis 17, circumcision is actually synonymous with the covenant that God made. So much so that it's called a covenant in the flesh. To speak of one is to speak of the other. You can see why this was so important to the Jews. And then he adds this, that it, that sign of circumcision is a seal. He talks about circumcision as a seal. And Paul says this, he's referring to 17, Genesis 17, verse 2. God is not making a new covenant with Abraham here in, cha in chapter 17 when he gives him circumcision. The, this is a covenant, a relationship that was already created with promises already made. So what was happening here? What was this business of the seal? The seal is the idea of establishing or confirming. What Abraham is getting in 17 is a confirmation of that righteousness. A confirmation of being in relationship, being in covenant with this God by faith. You see what Paul has done there? Even circumcision serves his argument. It is a confirmation of that time when he was counted as righteousness by faith. In, when he was made God's people by faith. And the last part, that's the significance of it, but here's the reason. And Paul really draws it all together for us here. The purpose of this. In verse, the last part of 11 and then verse 12. The purpose was to make him father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. So that they would be counted as God's people and to make him the father of of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Now, what Paul has done here, what Paul has done, or what he started to do, we've got the whole second half of the chapter to continue looking at this. There we see roughly that Abraham is our father according to promise. But what Paul has done here, he has shown you how the coming of Christ Jesus, how the faithfulness of Christ Jesus transforms in fullness redemptive history. In other words, Paul has made sense of Abraham's story by taking into account the history of redemption as a whole. This is where we are now. That God regarded Abraham's faith as righteousness comes to shape Paul's understanding and all of our understandings of what it means to be the people. 
to be God's people. So people of God, Abraham is your father according to faith. And that promise made to him millennia ago, yes, that long ago, has been given to you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray.